So thank you again, Aberfi. Um, I know you have a lot more you want to see. Go for it. Go for it. <laughs> we had to cut her, cut her down, but there is so much knowledge there that you should just go and, and say whatever you want to say. Assalamu alaikum. I have this little voice, so it gets a little scary if I don't have a microphone. Um, I want to thank Allah for giving me the privilege to come here before you and witness his almighty, almightiness, alhamdulillah. And I'm so glad that every one of you has come here so we can share with one another. We are actually at this point responsible for our own knowledge, okay? So we've all had the experience of going to a kutbah and hearing something was like, the one that I love is so-and-so, blah, 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 Muslims and their wives. And I look around and I'm like, I don't have a wife, <laughs> you know, but it's, it's because, and that's why we need to come together and we need to have our own voices because you can't blame somebody for not including you when they, frankly, a lot of times, they didn't exclude you. They hadn't thought about you one way or the other, you know. So we have to do that. I remember hearing something from Azura Neal Hurston, who was an anthropologist also, and she said, if you don't express your pain, if you don't talk about things, they will kill you and tell you you enjoyed it because you're not expressing your opinions, so, you know. Um, but I think we all have to take responsibility for our own education, and that is what I think so many of us here at the Women's Mosque love. It gives us an opportunity to actually do things, to call the event, to give a kutbah. The story came out, apparently there are some people right here in this room who are aware that they were writing kutbahs for imams. So the imam stands up at the mimbar and looks wise and sagacious and all venerable and all that stuff, but it actually was written by a woman, okay? We're 50% of the planet. If we don't advocate for ourselves, who will? It's not, a, it's not an adversarial thing, it's just, we have to do what we know we need to do for ourselves. And so I've, I've had so many experiences where I just had to say, no, nah, that's not gonna work, okay? And one of them surely is people saying, oh, he can't have music, you're Muslim, haram, haram. And my daughter's eyes just rolled up toward the ceiling just now, <laughs> you know. But I can tell you candidly, and we're supposed to generally speak from our own personal experience, but I can tell you candidly, if you come to some African Americans talking about no music, it's a non-starter. You have to find something else to talk to us about. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, but. Well, the other thing I wanted to just comment was that you had made, I think, a really important like distinction in saying that there's the ignorance that comes from passive lack of exposure, but there's also a very deliberate kind of ignorance where it's purposeful misinformation that's spreading. And I think that maybe I would add a third one, which is like the limiting of space to be able to talk, like the delimiting of certain topics. And I think that when you think of overseas Muslim majority countries, like there's 
like people have been trained to not ask questions and not challenge authority and it's a very authoritarian mindset. There's like critical thinking is so um, discouraged and I think that that's also part of what we see in these questions. I know there, the answer is yes, there are more, but I would rather someone who really does know. <laughs> I, I am not the expert here. <laughs> but no, I, I know there's one up in the, I think in the Bay Area. Uh, they've had them in China since forever. They've had women's mosques in Zanzibar since forever. M Mexico as well? Ah. Okay, alhamdulillah. When it comes to China and uh, women-only mosques, those are mostly in Han regions, so like Ningxia province, which is one of the smallest province. I know that the Uyghur province, um, Xinjiang, used to have them, but currently that's not happening. But um, I know Beijing has a few, and I know Nanjing has one. So specifics for that, if, you are, if you're going to Nanjing, there's definitely one, and Beijing has a few but the majority are in Ningxia province, which is the middle of the country. Assalamualaikum. Um, so I did have a question about, you said you know you need to make space for yourself and like learn for yourself, but a lot of times the only, especially in very male-dominated spaces, the only people who are sharing a lot of knowledge or have a lot of knowledge are your male imams. And when you go to them and you ask them questions, I remember as a child being frequently shut down, my mom can tell you, frequently shut down because I was asking questions about specific things. And you know, I, I've read the Quran in English, you know, but there's only so much I can do on my own, my own learning, but I haven't really found like a community. Uh, I know I know that actually in Saudi Arabia, do they they do have women Sharia law scholars? I think Malaysia does as well, but here in America, you know, trying to find like women-based and women-led um, Quranic study groups, and you know, it's hard to find because we don't really get education on those things. So, how would we go about? educating ourselves and forming our own education groups when we don't really have a basis to start from outside of the Quran. Your mama has the answer to that over there. <laughs> Assalamu alaikum. I'm sorry I have food in my mouth. Um, I will say this. Um, you know, and some of you here know that I'm very active and involved in the National Medical Association, which is a black medical association. Like that, thank okay. you. Which, thank you. Which is a black medical association. And that medical association was founded in 1895. We're celebrating 125 years next, next year. Um, and it was founded because the American Medical Association would not allow black doctors to join. And so I say that for the women, it's up to us, as Sister Abrafi has said, we have women with knowledge. And some women have enough knowledge to cover 10 imams, but some women have enough knowledge that paired with another sister, they would have as much as one imam or 10 imams. But it's up to us to make spaces just as the women's masjid has made this space for us to come together in and share the knowledge 
and it's up to us to make our own spaces in whatever way we're able to. We used to have a group of sisters that met out in La Cañada. Now, I'm, at, I'm from South Los Angeles, so that's a haul. <laughs> that's not a hike, that's a haul. But you go, Quran says, go all the way to China if you need to, to seek knowledge. So you go where the knowledge is, but it's up to us to create that space, whether it be in our homes, in a library, in a classroom, and invite others and be consistent so that people get the word out that, okay, I know that on this day of the week or this night of the week, there'll be at least one sister there and I can come and talk with her as well. Because there's a lot of sisters around that are not imams, it's not their profession, they're in all kinds of professions. Sisterography is an educator, but yet she's so knowledgeable about Islam. Sister Mahasan is very knowledgeable about Islam. You have a lot of old wisdom around you, and I'm saying old because I'm old too, but you have a lot of old wisdom around you that's gained knowledge the only way we could, by ourselves, because we didn't have spaces like this when we were coming into Islam and growing and developing in our Islam. So I just encourage all of us, not just putting it on you, but all of us, to create spaces where we can come together safely, where we can bring someone who we know knows more than what we know, and allow that sister to be able to speak and share the knowledge she's gained so we all grow in our knowledge and our understanding of this beautiful religion of al-Islam. Assalamualaikum, everyone. Thank you, Dr. Khadija. Um, I just wanted to bring a point so that all of these beautiful comments and points and actions that we should take and consider don't just go out the doorway when we leave. Um, I think the most important thing is that the women's mosque has been invented for us. For us, not just one person, not just one woman, but for us. And that in itself is a blessing. The second thing is don't let this facility, the virtual Women's Mass of America, because we can be anywhere, um, go to waste, right? Um, when you're the structurer, the founder, it is very, very difficult to put all the practices and programs that you want to do in place because you're just trying to keep the organization up and moving and marketing and, and all of those little things that one has to do. And so the, the, the inside of the skeletal is left up to us to build, right? So I'll open it up with, I want to learn how to do, how to say the Adam, how to give the Adon, right? I want to learn how to actually pray, right, correctly. Right? Um, doesn't mean I can't mimic it. Doesn't mean that I don't understand a lot of it. But I mean, I'm an educator, so I really, really, really want to know the insights of it. But if it's left up to me, just me, to get it done, life gets in the way and it's not going to happen. I can tell you that. I, I keep pushing it back to 70. You know, when I get 70, <laughs> I'll get this done and I'll do this and I'll do that. Right? So, um, I think that those of us who can find the time 
And the rest of us work with one another, right, to help in whatever we want to do in these classes. And these classes, a lot of them, you know, we can't hold uh, weekly classes and things like that. Our schedules just won't permit. But let's just try to do, we're doing um, women's kuba, I mean, women's mosque on a Friday once a month. Let's try to sneak in there a class or so, right, in there for those of us who we know we're ignorant. We don't want to keep telling folks how ignorant we are, but we would like to learn some things, and we can't expect Hasna or um, Samia to be able to do it all themselves. So um, I'm going to stop there because I can run my mouth. Assalamu alaikum uh, to my <clears throat> goddaughter, Kasama. I like to say, you know, you can do it by phone. Now, I'm proud to say and honored to say, alhamdulillah, I belong to a group of women. We don't have a name. We went to a retreat in 2013 up in the mountains of somewhere, where was the Abrafi? It was somewhere up north. <laughs> and um, the, the ones in the cabin, we read Quran together every morning after Fajr. And one sister suggested, well, let's keep doing this. So here we are six and a half years later. Uh, it started out one hour, we read Quran, then it developed into we do the tafsir of our late leader, Imam W.D. Muhammad. It went from there. Now there's a study group out of New York, it's nationwide. We get on the teleconference. So we listen to khutbahs from imams, imamuses, and then. <laughs> So it's, now we're at two hours. We do 30 minutes Quran, 30 minutes tafsir, listen to, to the khutbahs 30 minutes from New York, and then we discuss it afterwards. So we formed a network, so now we keep adding people on, so it's got to be a bigger group. And we're like, we might have to take it maybe several days of a week or whatever. So just like you're saying that we, need, we as the women's mosque need to kind of get more together, perhaps we can get an 800 number and assign a day of the week and say, well, we're gonna have a teleconference at such and such time, and women all over America can join in and discuss, you know, what we do here at the mosque. So that's just a suggestion I'm throwing out there. Um, so I have a question for Makeda, um, because alhamdulillah, times a thousand, you know, that this is the accomplishment of every Muslim, not even parents. I mean, I, I, when I was younger, I would be very frustrated that um, I would see um, a lot of my Pakistani friends um, whose parents would teach them culture and then they would rebel against the culture and they didn't know the beauty of Islam. So um, I don't think it's just parents who are frustrated by this, but alhamdulillah, you did such an excellent job. I wanna hear from the daughter, how did that work? How did that feel growing up? You know, what worked? Like share as much as you can because we're all taking notes. <laughs> Assalamu alaikum. Uh, my name is Makeda, as she told you. Um, <laughs> so I would say for me, kind of basically what we, she did discuss it with me before she was writing and everything. I had the blessing to grow up in an open enough culture and to grow up with some Muslim friends as well as non-Muslim friends. One of my oldest friends is actually Sikh, which is something that some people think is all the same thing. Some people think that there's Christians, there's Muslims, there's Jews, and there's atheists, and there's nobody else. So there are things that I've been exposed to just through my life, um, also through my mom being, as she said, you know, seek knowledge in China, even in China, 
that was a philosophy that we held in the household, even coming up. My brothers and I, we came up, you know, learning about African culture, um, as well as being Muslim, whereas there are families who grow up here, they're African-American, they follow the culture that they're given, which tends to be Christianity and Halloween and Christmas and Easter, and they watch what's on TV, they go to school, they, you know what I mean? They do the things that people in this culture do, and they don't even venture outside to learn anything else until it smacks them in the face. You're black, what does that mean to you? What does that mean in this culture? I grew up, I had dreadlocks as a kid, and I begged my mom for dreadlocks as a kid, and she said I couldn't have any ochre because that was gonna get on the pillowcases, but I was like, no, we gonna have some ochre, we are gonna have some dreadlocks, I'm blackity black. That's, <laughs> that's how I grew up, and I'm, I'm very proud of that because it allowed me to not be misled by other people telling me this or telling me that, even now, I'm still teaching. I have one of my uh, oldest friends, he's from Guatemala, and he's very, you know, Chicano power and like that. He and I go back and forth a lot. I call him basically, he's my brother. I've known him since fifth grade. He and I go back and forth a lot because there are things that we learn from each other's culture that unite us. You know what I mean? Yes, I have Native American blood. He has African blood. Well, of course we're related. We're all here on this land together and having those kinds of friends and being able to keep up with people like that. And then learning, I have some newer friends who, you know, being on Facebook, you get to learn people outside of your immediate circle. I have some newer friends who are like, you know, gun enthusiasts. I'm a white male. I'm from the South. I rep the, yeah, I rep the Confederate flag, but I can't stand Trump. There's all kinds of, there's all kinds of things in there that you would think if you don't get to know each other, you wouldn't know those things. You just see this particular picture and these are all the, the you know, things that go with that picture. So I've learned just to just kind of be more open, period, and to help other people around me not to be so willingly ignorant and prejudiced. And um, like there was somebody I was speaking with uh, earlier this week and they were asking about when you read Quran, do you read from right to left or do you read from left to right? And I said, well, I'm an English speaker. So when I read, it's left to right, but if it's, in, if it's in Arabic, it's right to left. And he's like, oh, so when you read it, you read it the right way, and where it's the other language, it's the wrong way. And I was like, it's not the wrong way. It's a different way than what you're used to. And he literally tried to convince me. I didn't say that. I didn't say that. And I was like, okay, you're right. And I had to just stop because people, they don't even realize how much they've been indoctrinated just by what's around them, whereas I've been allowed to not have that problem, I guess, or that, that constraint. Of course, I have prejudices because I'm a human being, but I've learned to check myself and to check other people. Exactly, exactly. Um, how did you deal with other Muslims who might not have had that experience or the open-mindedness of their parents? Um, was that difficult? Like, how did you deal with it growing up? I guess it wasn't difficult for me because I already knew who I was. Um, and I already was able to recognize difference between culture and religion. Um, even teaching my Christian friends that Easter, Halloween, you know, Christmas, those aren't Christian holidays. Jesus never celebrated. Jesus wasn't even a Christian. He was a Jew. So I'm still trying to reconcile that myself historically. Like, where do we have these changes? And I, 
I, I never had it as an issue because people kind of knew once looking at me, like I said, as a kid with dreadlocks back in the day when it wasn't popular, and I was cool with my dreadlocks. I loved my locks. And if I, you know, cared to do hair, I would do it again. But I would, you know, I don't want to have hair anymore. So um, <laughs> that's a whole different issue. But I found that people, sometimes people are open to hearing something other than what they've, they've been taught already. Sometimes people are in an exploration stage in their life and they're kind of asking because they really want to know is what I've been taught, is what I've been thinking, is that something that's real, or is that just something I've been taught, and why was I taught that? Um, I think, in a way, even though we have kind of a resurgence of a lot of kinds of prejudice right now, there are also quite a bit of backlash to that, where people are just like, wait a minute, just because it's always been this way doesn't mean it has to stay that way, and why has it always been this way? What is the purpose of that? And learning, even, like I said, coming up in my household, we celebrated Kwanzaa. That didn't make us any less Muslim, but we celebrated Kwanzaa. One of the principles is Nia, which is purpose. You must have a purpose for the things that you start. So learning to just kind of be more analytical in that way, I never had that as an issue. Other people may have had an issue with me because of it, but that's just, I can't, I can't give them anything else, you know? If I know something that I feel to be true and I share it with you, it's up to you whether you take it or don't, if you want to continue having, and there's things that I don't know. I'm going to ask questions too. I've always had a more inquisitive mind, so I want to know the truth. So if I'm wrong, please tell me. Please tell me, but also come with proof. Don't just say I'm wrong because that's how you feel. Several things that we all have said that made a lot of sense and one was, I think, or inferred that we don't really know in the world, most people don't know that they're prejudiced. Most people don't know that they have issues until a situation comes up. <clears throat> so I'm going to give you my story. I uh, spent seven years in the United States military. So that means, you know, you bunk and you live and you fight and you learn with everybody. So you might have a gentleman from the the hills and mountains of Tennessee ain't never seen a black person a day in their life, right? And you know, in the end, you become the best of buds, right? But you have to learn these things. And you have folks who don't know that the language that they use every day is going to be objective until it comes out their mouth. So me and my best bud, and this gentleman was from, um, St. Louis, Missouri, and when I tell you this white gentleman could cook his behind off, I'm telling you this boy could cook. So every Saturday, I would drive from Virginia Beach up and down those old country roads because he lived in the back off of a swamp on the people's property, and I would go there for breakfast. His wife never cooked. She just cleaned up. She made take it four hours to put her makeup on. That was the kind of girl she was, but anyway. Um, she never cleaned, I mean, she just cleaned, but uh, he did all the cooking. So I would go there faithfully, and if you know anything about me and my family, we are cookers, so I don't eat everybody's food. I just can't do it, all right? <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> anyway, so um, we're on a job, and we've got to go get the mail in one city and bring it back to another city, another base. And um, he's driving, and I'm sitting, you know, co-piloting. And life has been good. 
We, you know, we're running our miles. We get along famously. And a big country road, you know, country roads are like three or four blocks in width, right? So this black man was jogging across the street trying to beat the car. And, uh, you know, he cut it pretty close. And so my friend Dave said, all right, so, you know, I'm sitting in the car and Dave driving and it was like crickets. <laughs> and I'm thinking, oh my God. <laughs> I'm thinking, really? I'm like, oh my God. What the hell am I supposed to do? I'm like, this is my best bud, right? He get in trouble, the wife calls me, I come and get him out of trouble, right? So, and he's driving like, so he tells me, he says, Percy, I'm so sorry. I don't know where that came from, you know. And I'm thinking, yeah, I know exactly where it came from, <laughs> you know. But it's all good, right, because I, I know your heart, right? Now I eat this. His daughter is my God baby, okay, blonde hair, blue eyes to this day, right? So he said, I got lunch. I'm treating you for lunch. I was like, yeah. Yeah, you can treat me for lunch. You know, that's the least you can do, right? And we never talked about it after that. But that was a rude awakening for both of us. It just came out. It was natural. It was spontaneous. It, it, it was no harm meant, right? <laughs> it was, I mean, really, it was no harm meant, right? But if I learned something, I'm sure he learned something. And that word was not going to flow out his mouth as readily as it did that time. I think that's such a um, great reminder of uh, the hadith about at least feel bad about it in your heart. Why, you know, it's, it's human nature, you know, if, if you go to California for the first time and experience an earthquake, every time you think about California, you're going to think about that, right? And so it's part of our animal nature to assign emotions to experiences, but that's why we all have to constantly be aware of our thoughts and constantly cleansing our heart and our intentions and catch ourselves and correct it um, because you don't want in a moment for something to come out and then you find out who you really are or who someone really is. Um, if you're doing that work, inshallah, when, if a moment does arise, the right thing comes out. So why don't we go, we'll go like this, and then we'll, um, we'll stop there. Assalamu alaikum. I won't tell him anything. Okay, my name is Beverly, and my Muslim name is Hana. And uh, I converted to Islam because of my son living in Saudi Arabia. And uh, I had got an opportunity to go to Saudi. And my son said, if you come, you're going to need to convert to Islam if you want to go to Mecca and Medina. So I says, oh, okay, let me think about it. And so I shared with my granddaughter who went with me and my sister. And I told him, I don't know what you guys are going to do, but I'm going to convert. I said, because when I go to Saudi, I'm going to see everything. I mean, I've been in 13 countries in Africa, and I want to go see it all. I don't want to go and say, well, I can't this and I can't that. And so I did. And I was blessed. Yesterday I got an opportunity to share my being a Muslim and why to four young ladies.
And two of them just happened to stop by my office. And so I was just talking with them and sharing actually the word of God because from December to January, I go to my daughter's church, which is Baptist. And then um, during the week, I go to my son's church, who is just Christian. And everybody says, well, how do you do that? I said, when I go visit my son in uh, Little Rock, then I go to the mosque and I worship at the mosque. And one person told me, he said, well, no, you can't do that. I said, well, who said? I said, so no one actually uh, said that I had to do one particular thing. So I do them all. And my children are happy, and I'm happy. But I did get a chance to express to the young ladies that I felt Islam was the university of all beliefs of God. And the reason why I felt that I hadn't reached to the uni into a university of faith because of the fact that when I went to Saudi Arabia and I got a chance to go to uh, a Mecca, I said, there was the water where Hannah had discovered. I walked each rock she walked. I said, when you do that, it builds such a, a faith in you. And I ex explained to them, I had been to revivals and with Billy Graham as a child. I said, I have even been to all Roberts healings. And I said, I have never had a spiritual awakening as I did when I was in Mecca. I says, and let me tell you, while I was in Mecca, the birds flew over our heads, just swarms of birds. They're there, if you've ever been there. Because the second time I went, they're still there. And they're still flying. They never poop one time, not one drop on the ground, nowhere. I said, so you know it has to be a holy place. I says, and while we walk the walk that uh, Hagar walked, I said, we were able to get the water, the Zanzan water. I says, and drink it. I says, and guess what? They've been taking that water from that day to this day, and the well has never gone dry. I said, I got the uh, information while I was flying Emirates into uh, um, Dubai, and they were telling how the well water has never gone down one inch. They pump, I forget how many gallons of water out of this well, and it never goes down. I says, now is that spiritual? Is that holy? I said, girls, you, you'll never understand until you actually get an opportunity to be where it all started. I says, and once you go there and you see it for your eye, yourself, then you'll understand why I have such a high faith. You know, I believe in the word. And then the word is very powerful. I said, then you need to learn the word. However you want to get it, through the Quran, through the Bible. I said, but you need to know that it is real. It's for real. And the water, the Zanzan water, believe me, it just, it, it really healed my body. Because I'm not supposed to be here. I had surgery about four years ago. And Kaiser said, I should get my things in order. 
I said, well, my things are already in order. I said, so either way it goes, I have two tickets. I said, you know, if they said that I have to be a Christian, I said, I'll get in. I says, and if they say I need to be a Muslim, I'll still get in. I said, so either way it goes, I said, people, I'm good. So thank you. Um, so we are running a little bit over. Let's do one more question, and then we'll, um, you can continue asking afterwards. Yeah. Mine is um, a compliment to my sister, Abrafi. Alhamdulillah, that was beautiful. I'm sorry I had to step out right after the prayer, but we can talk about that later. It was important. Um, but sister, I want to commend you on Hajj. You just said everything that's my passion. So if you know me, my name is Krishna, and you know my passion is for sisters to make Hajj. Um, Hajj is transformative. Obviously, you are transformed. Um, the Haja Project has a fundraiser coming up on November, oh Lord, November 16th. It's going to be at a private residence, but the theme is Shop a Sister to Haj. Us collectively, through a phone app, we can start uh, shopping. You can reward yourself, but you can also reward the Haja Project so that we can collectively start giving bigger gifts. Um, I think 2020 is our year. But more importantly, the reason why um, this is my passion and my mission is because I was the new Haja who converted at like 50 years old. Um, and everything Abrafi talked about is my experience as well. You know, people snatching me down in a prayer saying, you know, cause I didn't know, don't get up yet. It was a special Janazah prayer. You know, <laughs> people telling me I had light in my face, but get rid of the toenail polish, you know. Um, all kinds of things and um, but I pray my prayer is that you know um, this is a beautiful Dean Islam is transformative I pray that it transforms us as Muslims because we got a lot of work to do in terms of dawah within ourselves and all of our different Islams and his lams um, and hers lams you know and they lam so but uh, you know, that's all I wanted to say. Abrafi, thank you for bringing this to the table. It's a topic uh, that needs to be discussed. You know, maybe one day the brothers can uh, participate in said topic. Very tiny. Um, I do think, though, that, you know, Islam in America, this is the best place to be a Muslim because we're exposed to all of the different cultures and we can find out what's Islam and what's not. So we are in a very special place. Assalamu alaikum. In regards to the N-word, it kind of reminded me of something. And I know it doesn't mean the same, but then again, it may have come from that. I don't know. But in, anyway, in some translations of the Quran, when they're talking about being stingy, they use the word niggard, N-I-G-G-A-R-D, which they do translate in Webster's as being stingy. But from, yes. But every time when I would read that word, I felt an ache in my heart. So, what I did in all my Qur'ans, <laughs> I got my white out. <laughs> and I replaced that word with the word stingy. Because, you know, I, going back to people's insensitivities of their culture or, or what they've been taught or whatever, you have to ask, just like beat the woman, why would you choose that particular word out of all these words to express being stingy? So it could have been a prejudice. So sisters, I would like to ask you, when you get your Quran and you run across that word, could you get your white out and put the word stingy? You know, because 
even though it may be implanting something in your brain or either in your soul when you read that word like it did me. So that's just, you know, thank you. Get a better translation. So yeah, that, that must be an old English translation. Um, so we are out of time, we're super out of time today, but um, we encourage all of you to stay and chat afterwards. Um, thank you, Abrafi, for the bean pie, and then I'll let you have the last word before we close. Thank you. I would like to say, if there's any takeaway from this, please, I don't know what it is. I know personally I cannot tolerate anybody just putting their hands on me to fix me, okay? Don't try to adjust my head covering. My mother had troubles with me when I was four or five years old. I will put my blouse inside my skirt. Just tell me what's wrong. I'll fix it. I, I just don't like it. And I heard from so many sisters that they are just genuinely offended by someone touching them without permission. So if that's one takeaway. The other one, I did this little thing, we're not going to talk about this, but specifically, like I said, we were being told that we weren't good Muslims because we couldn't speak Arabic, found out there were people who were speaking Arabic, but they didn't know what they were saying. So we have these balances back and forth, and that's what this takeaway is about. It's just a little roadmap to kind of help us see where it's not one person or the other, it's not one culture or the other. We all have differences, and we just need to get to know one another in order to move the religion forward. Actually, religion is already with Allah. We have to try to reach toward that. So I thank everybody for coming, and please help yourself to bean pie. And I want to especially thank this sister right here for coming, Salima. This sister lived in Saudi Arabia for 20 years. She has nine children, and she's a, a horsewoman. And just recently, knowing what she was doing, but the horse didn't like it, the horse fell on her. Yeah, so alhamdulillah, we're so glad that she's here because it could have been otherwise. But she is mending, and uh, alhamdulillah, thank you so much for coming. I'm just very blessed to have every one of you here to share Islam. And inshallah, we'll see each other next month. Yeah, thank you. Takbir. Tuck beer. Tuck beer. All right, bean pie.